everybody. Welcome to another Making Science podcast. Uh, today we have a super special guest. We welcome Lorena Roque Masi, uh, the ads privacy lead at Google for Spain and Portugal. Uh, welcome, Lorraine. It's very nice to meet you. Thanks, Jason. I'm excited to be here, spending this time with you. Yeah, great. Um, so the reason why we're here today is uh, from a Making Science perspective, we have, uh, have seen a lot of uh, changes in Europe uh, around privacy over the last you know, five years since the uh, birth of GDPR. Um, and then from my perspective as the U.S. CEO, um, you know, we're just opening in the U.S. and we're coming to bring the uh, making science expertise to the U.S., but uh, there are different perceptions and different activities that have been happening in the U.S. with regards to privacy, um, you know, that then has been happening in Europe. I think Europe's a little, a little further ahead. Would you agree with that? Certainly. Like the way we say it is that Europe has been the pilot, the test market of the world. It's definitely where privacy relation um, is more advanced and where we're getting all the learnings. The good thing is, um, it started this, yes, it started in the US, in Europe, sorry, but now we're seeing more and more markets regulate. And now we have the learnings from Europe that we can extrapolate and, and that we can apply otherwise. So for example, only the products that Google has developed to mitigate and to help overcome these privacy limitations, most of them are developed with a global approach. So for example, in Brazil, that is also very advanced, we're seeing customers implement already some of the solutions that we have in Europe for some time now. Right. Yeah, my, pers my perspective is that, you know, Google being like a global citizen and, you know, um, like really has to set the standard uh, for the world in a lot of ways. And, and it's kind of like the highest common denominator, I would say. So like, and building for the future, which is always, you know, Google's philosophy, right? So it's like, you know, in 10 years, what's it going to look like? In 20 years, what's it's, what is it going to look like? Not what it looks like in six months or in a year. So building things that and setting standards that will make sense for everybody globally in, in 20 years. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, for example, you know, there's a lot of buzz about the deprecation of third-party cookies in Chrome. Uh, that's going to be happening next year. But already, cookies third-party cookies have been deprecated in Safari and Firefox. Here, Google's commitment is to build for the future, as you say. So, our commitment is not to create alternative technology, that do similar things to what third-party cookies were doing, but actually start from scratch with a privacy-safe mentality and develop new technology that is privacy-safe and that will be durable in time and preserve the, the privacy of the users. Yeah, durability, right? So set the standards for, for the future, as we said, that will be durable in 20 years uh, okay. right across, across the world. Um, right, and... and, and like from a technology perspective, which is a lot of a lot of my background, and obviously making science, we love to like talk about technology and to develop new technologies. But you have to do it in a way that um, respects the user, right? And and like it's really an interesting time because you have user expectations, or you know, people are saying, "Oh, I want my data to be safe. I want to be uh, privacy safe, and I want to like do things and and not feel like I have Big Brother watching me." But at the same time, they also want personalization, right? They also want things to be, you know, right for them. So they look at, you know, a pair of shoes. They want the shoes to be shoes that they care about, not like a different gender shoes or a different color or whatever it is. So like finding the the, the road where that those two things cross, um, threading that needle, so to speak, is is a challenge for, for marketers, right? Definitely. And 
it's really, I like how you frame it, right? To find the right balance. Because what we're seeing now, and people think this affects most the marketing teams, but it really affects the whole company. That we're seeing that privacy is very linked to brand equity and brand reputation. Users are much, much likely to buy from a company where they feel their data is secure, they feel they respect their privacy, and they know how their data is being used. They're much more likely to buy from them. And in the studies that we have done uh, with Ipsos, for example, as a, a couple of years ago, um, we saw that 60% of the users say that they have stopped buying or using the services from a company because they feel that their data was being abused. And as you say, it's the right balance. It's not users want to see ads that are relevant for them and from the brands that they care about. And I'll put you an example. For example, um, like, you know, I don't know how it's in the US, but in Spain, everybody's running now. Running is super trendy. I have to confess, I don't like running. Me neither. Right. <laughs> okay, Jason, I like you. <laughs> so you see, if a company shows me an ad about running shoes, it's going to be one waste of money for them, but also a really bad experience for me because I don't like running. And they're going to remind me that I should be running. And everybody's running, but I don't run. Uh, right, so you don't want to be on the internet feeling bad about yourself. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Maybe they could show you hiking shoes or other things. Like I, I love, I love that, that, for example. I love you that, and I love traveling. So I'm super happy to um, tell data about my preferences, about what I like, about a yoga company and travel company, because I know that then they're going to provide me with useful experience and products that I will, I'm likely to buy and to enjoy. Um, so that's why I say that it's a difference between um, useful advertising and spam. So yeah. that's value. Right. You feel like when things are relevant, you feel like you're, you know, you're enjoying the experience more. If, if it's just irrelevant things that have nothing to do with you, it feels like spam. But at the same time, you don't want it to be too relevant. Right? <laughs> so, so that's, so that's why it's really important. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, first party data, right. And how, like, what I tell my clients is if you, uh, you, you made a really good point about, um, you know, privacy, not being a marketing thing, but being a full business thing. And that's totally right. Like if you're concerned about brand safety and, and, and you are right, well, you have to make sure your ads are showing in good places. And every, every brand is concerned about that because of brand equity. If you're concerned about brand safety, you need to be concerned about privacy and privacy affects every aspect of your business. And if the consumer perception of your brand is tarnished in any way, um, and what's a, what's a better way to tarnish your brand than to have a, a bad user experience or a bad feeling for a consumer that's trying to interact with you, right? So what I tell my clients is the best way to prepare for the future is just develop great relationships with your customers, right? One-to-one mm -hmm. -one connections with your customers and then let like AI and let all the tools that Google's developed, that other folks have developed, um, that making science helps to enable with Google uh, to do a lot of the work for you to create efficiencies and to create performance. Um, and if you do that, like there's a lot of other things you can do and there's a lot of other privacy safe things that are happening in the world. Um, but back to our original point about like the highest standard, we know that if you develop those one-to-one -one relationships, as many as you can with your consumers in a real way, um, then you will create competitive dif differentiation for yourself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And to touch upon like the three pillars of the strategy and how we see how businesses can prepare for this, we call it the marketing of the future, but I also want to stress the point that it's actually happening today. 
you are already seeing the limitations and the impact about privacy regulations and also technology restrictions. Um, but really with these three pillars and also how Google is um, applying that to its products, right? First, first-party data, as you say, we're not gonna be able to collect third-party data, but you have the data that your customers are willing to give you in a consented way and to provide them with a meaningful experience. So that's your competitive advantage. And then of course, second pillar, complement all that you're not gonna be able to measure with technology. Modeling of conversions, modeling of audiences. Um, we have many products developed that can help in that way to complement what we're not measuring. And third part is activating that with the power of AI, such a trendy word today, nowadays. Very trendy. Yeah. I think we're going to say that word together a lot more in the coming years. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And there, in order to, to make the transformation, um, it's not only the marketing team that can do it together. Like, and that's what we say that is, this affects the whole company. So it's the marketing team, of course, but also the data team. Also, everyone that interacts with customers, right? Like the customer service team, the CRM team, we have to make sure that we're getting consent from the user and that we're using it in a proper way. And then for me, I would say that a critical stakeholder is the data protection officer. They play a critical role in ensuring that the digital transformation of the company happens in a privacy safe way. And I don't know about the US, but what we're seeing here is that many times the marketing team and the data protection officer team, they don't speak the same language. Like the marketing team doesn't understand the technicality and why, like all these little needs. And also the data protection officer doesn't understand why it's such a big deal that we cannot collect the person, the first party data. Yeah, it's like, it's left brain, right brain though, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's the age old story of the IT versus the marketing team. And and uh, that's that's just the way things, that's the way humans are, right? We have different brains and so, but but you're exactly right. You have to create this uh, uh, communication and the, and the way for these for in, in inside your organization in order to communicate to figure it out and build these bridges yeah right and create a partnership that's where we're, where we're seeing that the magic happens when they work in tandem like marketing the data teams and the data protection team when they work together from the beginning from the conception conception of the project that's when we're able to make real progress and the magic happens and here I am seeing partners like like you guys like making science are really helping bridge that gap. Understanding like the language of one, the language of the other, and how can we make that connection Yeah, and to make progress. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, and we think of it that way for sure. It's like stewardship, right? I mean, you have to have a lot of different partners in order to advance different parts of your business, right? And so Google being like one of the world-class all-time tech companies, right? And you have Making Science, which is more of a, a service partner, a tech partner that allows for implementation, right? The strategy is for us to work together to create uh, advancement, right? And education and advancement. And a lot of times with a global company, right? Like Google and a global company like Making Science and a global company like a marketer, uh, it's up to us to build these bridges for the client or to help them uh, achieve that, right? So you asked about the US trends. Um, digital transformation officers, chief digital transformation officers are, are, are becoming a thing. And so it's, you know, within that department, there are privacy people and there are data people. And so like, they're trying to build that bridge between traditional IT and traditional marketing to create, uh, because it's, it's, the, it's the future. And like you said, the future is now. It's not, it's not even like 2028, it's, it's already 2023 people, you know, we're, we're doing digital. 
you know, or doing it in a big way. And, and you have to, you have to like build your teams uh, to make that happen. We talk about people, processes, and platforms, right? Like who, what, what kind of people you hire to make that work. The chief digital transformation officer has to hire the right people from different places. We're seeing a lot of trends of clients that are hiring people from different industries. So like, you know, auto in the U.S. was traditionally a very, you hire people that have auto experience. Now they're hiring people that used to work at Apple. People used to work at Google. People used to work to like, you know, um, translate the, t the technology for the, for auto. And they're hiring people from consulting firms and things like that in order internally, right? So you're getting the right people. And then you got the right processing platform in place, which is of course Google, um, uh, and use those tools properly with the right processes, which making science can help with. So, um, I guess one last thing is just, um, from a GDPR perspective, obviously it turned five, uh, in May, which, uh, I, I was, um, in ad tech, uh, and, you know, in, at a small company in, uh, in 2018 and we had like the date marked on our calendar, like, and all the, all the cookies had to be shut off in different, you know, in Europe for global companies. And it was like Armageddon. Um, and since that time, we've had $3.3 billion in fines. I added it up. I'm a bit of a privacy nerd. So I went in and looked at all the biggest fines <laughs> in GDPR history. Uh, and we were up to $3.3 in fines for GDPR. In the U.S., we had our first fine. It was very small, but it was for Sephora for, uh, it was like one, $1 million. But it was the first time in history that a, a brand in maps, right, it happened and it had been fine. So, so it's coming, right? I mean, the government regulations are, are the layer that we haven't like fully talked about, but all the durability talk that you mentioned is whatever the regulators bring your way, if you do these things, then you, you should be able to weather the storm, right? Absolutely. I would say there's, there's two things. One, not fight against it. Like mm -hmm. privacy is a fundamental right. Um, and it's time to do things in a different way. Like our vision is that the online marketing um, ecosystem keeps thriving and keeps working as it's been doing till now, where the users can access free content, publishers can monetize, and companies can keep reaching their customers online. But we have to do it in a different way, in a privacy-safe way, and putting the user in the center. Then we're moving from almost one-to-one -one world where we could measure everything. And now, as we say in Google, we're uncomfortably excited that that's no longer going to happen and we're moving to a consented, aggregated, and anonymous way of doing things. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to, to do our marketing strategy. We will, but we have to put the user in the center and make sure that he feels at control of his data. Eric, somebody's... Somebody smart, I think, once say that performance and privacy are not at odds. Is that right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is right now. I mean, if you think about it, it's like and make the analogy with um, electric cars. Like 10 years ago, when electric cars started, we didn't like them. We had our gas cars that were cheaper. They had more um, autonomy. Like, you know, for an electric car, it was very expensive. I couldn't go from here to 500 kilometers. I had to stop and charge it. And we wouldn't understand it. I would not like them. Now, 10 years later, technology has evolved. Now they're more efficient, they're cheaper. They have more autonomy. You know, they serve the same purpose. They take us from a point A to B, but actually they're better for the, for ecology. They, they're more sustainable. 
Um, so I think it's I, I think it's a very similar shift. Like now, um, almost all the cars that are sold in Spain, the majority now, are being electric. So it's yeah. just about that magic change that we need to keep evolving, and, and at some point it will become natural. I love that analogy, uh, and I think I'm going to steal it from you, Lorena, if that's okay. Happy to. Uh, what is it? Uh, flattery is the best uh, is is best served by imitation, right? Um, but I think, yeah, and I think you're, to take your analogy a little further, like the electric car, you have infrastructure now in place, right? So you have much, many more charging stations. They're at the gas station, so you can make that happen. So if you, if you like, liken that infrastructure to the technology infrastructure of the machine learning and the, um, and the AI, uh, the magical AI, which we're going to learn a lot more about, but it's starting to get accelerated. And so you can do things faster, more efficiently, like you said, and, and easier, right? Because people want easy. They want you know, they want what they want, but they want it to be easy. And so like, um, and the same thing for marketers, I think it's going to get easier for you to use your first party data to be efficient and to create performance. Absolutely. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. I think it was, uh, you know, you have all these plans to, to ask all these detailed questions and then you just have a chat and it's really fun. So it would be a really good time to talk to you. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess on behalf of making science and on behalf of Google, it was, uh, it was great to, uh, great to spend some time with you. Likewise, same here, Jason. Thanks for inviting me, and I really enjoyed our chat.